creative job always with our uh, package, title package, you know, mac and cheese and spaghetti and meatball and salt and pepper and, and of course, PB and J, which is the title for our series as we think about things that uh, need to be connected. I, I just have to make a disclaimer. I'm, I'm not up here because Dion thinks I'm so awesome. I'm up here because Dion is leading that team to Cambodia. And so, you know, I'm the fallback guy. So uh, I'm going to be here today and, and also next week as we open this series called PB and J. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth, uh, the things that I've studied, that I've drawn from this text, May they be faithful to your word, and, and not just faithful, not just truth, but helpful, uh, and, and stir in the minds of our listeners today, whether they be online or whether they be in the room, uh, stir uh, spiritual implications for their life that, that will make their life better and make them more useful uh, as your people, or even draw them uh, to consider uh, your claims on their life if they haven't done that yet. So may the words of my mouth and also the thoughts of all the assembled hearts, Lord, we're so prone to distraction. Even now, you know, we can sometimes use that blank space on the back of the bulletin to make a to-do list of things we need to do rather than uh, thoughts that we want to remember or uh, implement in life. So Lord, uh, not only what I say, but also what people here may, may it honor you and be of service to you and a blessing to us. We pray in Christ. Amen. Well, I have to say that today is, uh, is a kind of message that we touch on uh, probably half a dozen times in the course of the year because it's so foundational. Uh, but it's one of those things, uh, a lesson in life that you must learn over and over again because it leaks. It's the kind of thing that, that when you hear it, you say, I knew that. You know, I, I need to get back to that. You know, like exercise, for instance. You know, if, if you've been away from exercise for a while or, or even if you just get up and you get out early in the morning and you feel the, the cool air on your cheeks and you just come in and, and after you exercise, you just revitalize and you just say, man, I know that. I just need to do that more often. I need to make that a part of my routine. You know, or if you uh, come away from something that didn't work out exactly the way that you thought it should work out, and, and you're starting to uh, focus on it, you're starting to worry about it, you just need to remind yourself that, you know, mistakes are the building blocks to life, and just say, I know that. I'm not going to dwell on this. I'm going to move on. Just things that you need to learn over and over again, uh, like realizing some things are better left unsaid which you generally uh, agree just after you say them, you know, that kind of thing. Or that there are two kinds of people in the world. There are those, uh, there are those cheerful morning people and there are those cranky morning people who want to kill those cheerful morning people, you know, fantasize about that. Or, or just one more, you know, uh, you just, whether you're seven or whether you're 70, occasionally you'll just remember that it's better to uh, get up and pee rather than pee and get up. You just... You, <laughs> things that you might forget and, and suddenly you remember, you know, that no, it's supposed to be the other way. It, it's that kind of lesson that we're going to have today, not, not a warm, wet message, but uh, uh, the message that is the, uh, a lesson that, that can leak for us. Uh, 
it's like something you need to learn over again. Like I'm, I'm a golfer. That's, you know, kind of my hobby. And, and uh, there are 18 holes. And I guarantee you, uh, you know, in all the strokes that I make uh, in 18 holes, there are going to be a half a dozen times, maybe more, that I move my head. And as soon as I move my head and miss a putt or, or don't hit the ball well, I just say, come on, you know, you know better than that. Why are you doing that still? And, and sometimes you can kind of make peace with it. Because we're talking today about getting connected and the importance of connection in life. And you can just say, okay, some people are relational and some people are not. I just have come to the opinion that I'm not one of those people and I don't care and, and uh, it's not going to be a concern for me anymore. I can check out right now. And that's just not true. We're going to see in God's word today that it's foundational. It's integral to who you are and how God intended you to be. I think it has influence on your relationship to the Lord, which every one of us want, but it also has uh, important implications as to how you are faithful uh, to the Lord who loves you. It's a big deal. And it's a big deal for everybody. In, in fact, relationships are the key to all the things that are important in life. Uh, more important than your accumulation of funds, more important than your accomplishment, more important than your exercise of power. In fact, all of those things are intended by God to build relationships. It's so common that it can be understood even apart from God's word. Uh, I saw a news story this past week uh, of a man who, who came to understand that. Uh, his name is Barry White Jr., not Barry White, the old crooner, but Barry White Jr., who's a second-year teacher of fifth grade in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, maybe you saw it as well, but he understands the value of relationships. Watch this. Let's get it. Let's go. At Charlotte's Ashley Park Elementary, attendance ah. is quite the show. It's personalized handshakes. We pride ourselves on high expectations in the classroom and meaningful relationships. One after another. Ah. After another, at least 40 handshakes, each as unique you know, as Barry White Jr. students. <laughs> It really just started with me wanting to, you know, bring some joy to my students, and then now, you know, it's blowing up. How do you remember every single one? At this point, it's muscle memory. Tanique is always ready. We do it so much every day. I may do it with them at lunch, at recess, you know, I may do it every day when they come to my class. White may have a famous name, but he's one of a kind. He grew up in Queens, New York, yet he's a huge Cleveland Cavaliers fan, and he got the idea from watching LeBron James's pregame handshake rituals with his teammates. This is about more than just a handshake. It's definitely about more than a handshake. It's about impacting the student um, in the most positive way. The students here are mostly lower income. He's just making sure they get a fair shake. Oh, they come from some situations that may not be ideal. Well, I felt so inspired because I felt like that I'm welcomed in his class. You come in, you'll be excited. You can do your handshake, then you could come sit down, you'll be already ready. In White's second year teaching, he seems to have found his calling. I feel like this is probably the number one job in America. A few moments with him, and you notice a lesson for us all. Never underrate the value of relationships with anyone. What you got? A true educator with just the right touch. Gabe Gutierrez, NBC News, Charlotte. Let's give that teacher a hand. Never underestimate the value of a relationship with anyone. In fact, the students are so pumped to get there, no one wants to be late. 
You know, they're, and they're energized when they come into the room. He understands that you can't teach them anything if you don't have a special relationship with them. It's become infectious. So that he now does it with the staff. He does it with other students from other classrooms uh, on the playground, and it's spreading across the country. He's a second-year teacher of fifth grade in a place in North Carolina, and yet he's making a difference in things that matter. Relationships are just crucial, and and connecting is not optional for us. Uh, In fact, uh, we're going to see that in Hebrews chapter 10, and and there's an interesting connection. It it almost looks like two messages to me at first when I sat down to study it, but then I realized that there are not two messages here, that, that the first part empowers and compels the second part. So let's look at it together from Hebrews 10, beginning at verse 19. And the linkage that I want you to see is the since, therefore, connection that occurs in this text from 19 to 25. The since this is true, therefore, this is also true. The uh, mathematicians call this the theory of implication. You know, if this is true mathematically, then therefore, this follows. And you'll see that also in theology. So we read, therefore, brothers and sisters, since... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, you know, because Jesus died for us, we have confidence to come to God. By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, you know, an an implication of the Old Testament, the holy of holies that, you know, that, that curtain was torn in two at the crucifixion. You know, Jesus made a pathway into the holy of holies for all people opened for us in the curtain, that is, by the means of his body. And since we have a great high priest, not only has he made it possible to go there, he's also our high priest who intercedes for us there, so we're not there alone. We have an advocate, we have a, we have a lawyer advocate, a defense attorney, you know, representing us before the throne of God. A high priest over the house of God. Since those things are true, therefore... Let us draw near with sincere hearts. You know, we don't have to pretend. We don't have to to come with a certain posture. We don't have to get ourselves straightened up, you know, before we come. Like, you know, okay, I'm not feeling like I can come into God's presence today. No, because of Jesus, you can come into his presence anytime. So let us, therefore, draw near to God with sincere hearts. We can lay it out there. We can be honest with him. With the full assurance that our faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience. Again, an allusion to the Old Testament when uh, there was an uh, an offering made on Atonement Day and the, the blood was thrown on the people to remind them that the sacrifice was made for them. So the, we've been sprinkled to cleanse us from any guilt, any mistakes that we have made, having our bodies washed with pure water. Since all of this is true, let us hold unswerving to the hope that we profess For the one who made all the promises in the Old Testament has fulfilled all the promises and has proven himself faithful. And because that is true, now here's the other connective part that talks about how we ought to relate to one another. Since all of that is true, that we've been made one with God, let us also then consider how we might be godly and spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You know, not giving up, not isolating not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another 
and all the more as you see that day approaching. You know, things are not going to get better. Uh, Jesus foretold that in the end times, people's hearts will grow cold. He said, if I had delayed any longer in my coming, I think even the very elect might have been lost. And so we're not looking for the whole world to get more warm and fuzzy, more gracious and more godly. It's going to get harder. And so we're even more needed as judgment day approaches. It begins with faith. And that, that kind of surprised me, as I already mentioned, you know, as I read this text, I thought, well, what do the two have to do with each other? You know, my relationship with God is the most important thing to me. I pray it is to you as well. And, and uh, I know that I have unconditional acceptance from him because of Jesus. Jesus has made it possible, not because I'm worthy, not because of what I might do if, if he empowers me, but because of what God has already done for me in Christ Jesus, amen? And, 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 and so that's important. And, and uh, I come to the Lord in, in my worship, in the songs that we sing, and, and just praise him for loving me in that way and accepting me in that way. It begins by faith in God. But I said, so what does that have to do with anybody else? That's me and God. But this section clearly says, since this is true, then this is followed. Since God has done this for me, he wants me to also think about how I might encourage others, one towards love and good deeds. You know, there is a connection. And you see this uh, elsewhere in the scripture as well. It's, it's just so foundational. You see it even in the Ten Commandments that we teach our children or that we remember learning ourselves. You know, there were two tables of the law. You know, the first table of the law, the first section of the Ten Commandments are those commandments that deal with our relationship towards God. Have no other gods before me. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Be faithful in worship. Those all apply to my relationship to God, and that's foundational. <coughs> and they, they come in that order because that has to happen first before the next seven commandments come into play, which is all about my relationship to others. And it's interesting that the fourth commandment begins with honor your father and mother because they are your first relationship uh, that you form. And, and then don't steal, don't kill, you know, uh, don't commit adultery, uh, don't bear false witness, don't covet. All of those commandments follow. So first table, love God, love your fellow man. Even Jesus later in ministry was, was asked, which is the most important commandment? He says, well, you know, there are really only two. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, if, if you do those, you are squared with God. But you can't just say, I'm going to love God. I'm not a relational guy. This isn't important to me. And, and uh, you can't make me feel like I'm inadequate if I don't extend myself to others. If you don't extend yourselves to others, then you are not acting in accord with God's will for your life. And you're being less than what the world needs you to be. Here's how uh, John wrote about it in 1 John chapter 4. He said, dear friends, we should love one another because after all, love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. This is how they will know that we are of God, that we love one another. You say, well... I don't know that people would even accept it from me. Like, who am I to speak to anybody else? You know, I've got my own issues in life. I would say that your knowledge of God and your relationship to God, by growing closer to him in that whole opening section of this scripture, by growing closer to him, it qualifies you and it equips you 
also to grow close to others. How does it qualify you? Well, let me just speak personally for a moment uh, because when I think about somebody who's qualified by faith to speak into other people's lives, my grandparents come to mind. Uh, my, my mother's parents, the Sundermans, now they've been with the Lord for a long time, but uh, they lived at least into my teenage years, so I got to know them. And man, they were precious people. But I got to know that they also were influential people despite the fact that neither one of them had a high school education. And my grandma never even had an eighth grade education. She never drove a car in her entire life. And yet they were influential uh, in the congregation and even in the city. They were farmers and they were uneducated people. But man, when they spoke or, or by the way they lived, people listened and people loved them. In fact, one of the first uh, privileges I had as a pastor, I'd just been ordained and I was in my first church in Michigan. And uh, I got the phone call that my grandpa had died. And they asked me if I would come down and conduct his memorial service. The church was packed out for a farmer who was uneducated because he realized that that should not hold him back, that, that he was worthy to speak to anybody because he was a child of God and, and he didn't ever think of himself as unworthy and no one else did either. And there were professional people in the congregation who looked up to him and we all did and, and to my grandma even after uh, my grandpa's death. And then also I, I think about how qualified uh, people are by faith you know, to cross lines when it, when it came to my, um, my ministry in uh, Port Arthur, Texas. I was down there for about six years in, among the Cajuns and, you know, southeast Texas, right on the Gulf Coast, up against Louisiana. And uh, if you know anything about Port Arthur, Beaumont, it's a huge refining area. Texaco and Gulf Oil have big refineries there. And the way you know this is you're 20 miles away and you can smell it. You can smell all the sulfur and all the refining going on. And at first it's almost repulsive. You know, you just like, is something wrong with the car? And you just realize you're entering into this area. The people there don't smell it at all. They say it smells like money to me. And so they, they're never bothered by it. But in those communities, if you've ever been there in a community like that, you know that there's the supervisory college-educated engineers, chemists that, that run the refinery, that understand the math and understand the engineering that's required. And then there's the union people that actually do the work of the refining. And when the unions would go on strike, boy, it would get tense in that community. And uh, union people would be inclined uh, to really turn against the supervising people, the very people they worked with, uh, because these guys would work their jobs for them. They kept the refineries going. And uh, some of the union guys would throw nails in their driveways and just make their life miserable. But I saw something different in my congregation. These Christian people in my congregation, the supervisors were working round the clock and they were making more money than they knew what to do with. And they would send their wives to go and buy groceries and bring it to the union guys that weren't working. And, and they supported them in that way. And the union guys in our congregation would go and mow the lawns and take care of the supervisor's houses because they were never home. And it was all because of faith. Faith allowed them to cross you know, these lines. And I saw them do it not only towards each other in the congregation. I expected, man, this is going to get divisive you know, in my own church because we have people in both sides. And it never happened. And I saw them even extend themselves to others. Some of my union guys went and helped other supervisors that they worked with you know, who weren't members of our church and don't even know if they were Christian. And also some of my supervisors uh, helped some of the union guys that they knew had large families, even though they weren't Christian people. What an influence they made. Why? Because they were Christian. 
Christian, you know, because they had a sense that they were qualified by God to cross the line, that they had something to offer. Not only does it qualify you, it also equips you. We've all heard the passage, but it's more than just a trite uh, axiom that says, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and a good understanding have all they who keep his commandments. You know, that's what I discover more and more as I study the word. It's, It's not just something that we ought to know because it's truth. It's practical. When I apply these things in my life, my life gets better, and other people's lives get better as well. You know, God hasn't given us the commandments to see if we can walk the line and and smack us if we step across. He's given us the Ten Commandments and he's given us all of his instruction because it's a better way to live. And that's why we live it, Not, not to please him or not to worry about whether we're being faithful to him, but because we know it comes from the one who designed life this way. And so when we live by his design, life gets better. We are equipped. That's why my grandparents were honored because they knew the Lord. And as a result, even though they didn't have education, even though they didn't have status, they had wisdom and people could smell it on them. Everybody needs people in life. It's the mathematical equation two plus two equals five. You know, when people come together, you are greater than the sum of your parts. You bring a little bit, somebody else brings a little bit. But what comes out of that is greater than just the contribution of the two people. You know, something happens. Uh, there's something synergistic that happens that, that causes you both to grow through that experience so that you become better, they become better, and the situation improves as well. Helen Keller famously said, you know, we can do so little on our own, but we can do so much with each other. In fact, I've often said that God has not given us people to get work done. He's given us tasks to build relationships. You know, the work that you get done uh, may not even matter in another decade. You know, as, as things change and move on, uh, the money that you accumulate, the Bible says that when you die, somebody else is going to own what you possess. What difference does it make? But what is eternal and what is lasting and what lives on as your legacy are the relationships that you touch. I think it was James Dobson who said, the only thing you can take to heaven are the relationships that you form around the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is so true. And it will also uh, enhance your life in doing it. You know, everybody needs people. Isolation is a sure sign of a life off course. You know, if you've made peace with the fact that you don't need other people and you're not inclined to get involved in a small group or a, an Ironman group or, or even just, uh, you know, form relationships at work and, and you just come in and do your job and that's all you should expect from me, you know, or in your sport or uh, whatever your hobby is, if you're not using that to form relationships and something's wrong, when an animal... Uh, hides or withdraws, uh, that animal is sick. That animal is not the way they are intended to be. It's in our DNA to connect to people, our designed normal attitude. And if you are isolating, then that is abnormal. That's not what God intended for you to be. Now, not everybody's easy. Some people will obviously come into your life and they will be a blessing to you or you will be a blessing to them. 
but others will come as a lesson, you know, or, or you're just going to find them difficult and, and, you know, there's going to be some rough edges and some difficulty uh, in that relationship. I remember uh, when a, a, f- a fellow joined my uh, Ironman group a few years ago, he's, he's since uh, relocated to another city, so I can freely mention that. But uh, when he first came, he was just an aggravation to me because he always saw everything differently. He was argumentative uh, in our study. And, uh, but I, I really, he really came to be the most precious person in my group because he always brought a different attitude. He brought a different way of thinking to every text. And I really grew to appreciate him. And it was really a sad day for me when he, when he left. In fact, now when he comes back to town, he always calls me up and we have breakfast together. You know, we've, we've become friends. But at first, that was difficult. He was what I used to call an EGR. Extra grace required. You know, he was, I would see him walking, I'd go, oh, no, this is going to be a tough day. You know, but I grew to appreciate him. And when he wasn't there, I kind of I missed him. And it was the same for him. I think we all have heard the song, All of Me Loves All of You. You know, even if you don't know much about the song, John Legend's song has an interesting lyric, you know, All Your Perfect Imperfections. You know, and it's a sweet song, and we know the refrain, we sing the refrain uh, often when it comes on the radio. But it's not really a song about uh, two people who are close to each other. It's, it's a guy singing about a girl who aggravates the daylights out of him. In fact, the first verse goes like this. What would I do without your smart mouth? Drawing me in and then kicking me out. You've got my head spinning, no kidding. I can't pin you down. What's going on in that beautiful mind? I'm on your magical mystery ride. I'm so dizzy, don't know what hit me, but I'll be all right. Because all of me loves all of you, despite the fact of who you are. I love your curves and all your edges, all your perfect imperfections. So if you give your all to me, I'll give my all to you. You'll be my end and my beginning. And even when I lose, even when it doesn't go my way, I'm winning. You know, not everybody uh, is easy, but everybody has a role to play, and you have a role to play in their life, too. But if you only gather with people like you, even Jesus said, this isn't godly. In, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, he, he says, if you would be perfect, like my Father in heaven is perfect, then you would understand that he causes his rain and his sun to shine and fall on the fields of the just and the unjust alike. But you don't. You help those who help you. And he says, you're just like the pagans. Don't they do that? If I do this for you, then you do that for me. That's the way it works. He says, that's not the way it works for God. He freely gives to all people. And if you would be like him, you would do the same. It's in giving that we receive. Man, it's so important that we extend ourselves, you know, to those people who are struggling You know, because you are to be the salt, you are to be the light, you are to be the leaven in the loaf that makes a difference. And it doesn't matter how few we are compared to the world who doesn't honor Jesus. We make a difference by our influence there. As salt and leaven is so small, yet makes a huge difference in the loaf or makes a huge difference in the food or in the preserving of value. You are the light of the world a light set on a hill gives light to everyone, you know, not just to uh, uh, those who love the light. And that's what the Lord reminds us to do. You think about how polarized America is today and how divided especially Washington is. And, and I think about this with Harry Truman versus Abraham Lincoln in terms of their understanding of relationships. 
Harry Truman famously said, if you want a friend in Washington, buy a dog. You know, because nobody's going to be your friend. They may pretend to be your friend because they want something from you. So that was Truman's approach. Abraham Lincoln said, I will not attempt to destroy my enemies. I will destroy them by making them my friends. You know, so he extended himself. You know, which would God have us be? To be on a mission uh, of bringing the knowledge of God into the lives of all people, not just those who know him. In, in fact, this is such an important principle that it's standard understanding in business practices. This is an old book. It was written in 1989. 25 million copies, 40 different languages. It's still listed on the top 25 books that every business person uh, should read and study. Powerful lessons in personal change. The seven habits of highly effective people. Sixth habit is synergy. To understand what happens when you work at something in a relationship as God intended for us to live. Covey said, valuing differences is really what drives synergy. Do you truly value the mental, emotional, and psychological differences among people? Or do you just wish that everyone thought and acted the same way as you so you could just get along and move on? Many people, important thought, many people mistake uniformity for unity. You can have unity without uniformity. I would recommend it. Or sameness for oneness. We are not the same. God made us different in gender. He made us different in interest. He made us different educationally. He made us different uh, physiologically. And all those differences combine in a stew that, that makes something better than the individual parts. Differences should be seen as strengths, not weaknesses, he said. They add zest to life. We're more than a collection of people. It's an exercise of give and take. When you think about this, think about the people that Jesus gathered alongside. You know, the 12 uh, disciples that he chose. You know, what a strange gathering of people. No scribes and no Pharisees. He didn't start with people who were already religious and retool them to think correctly. He didn't start with theologians. He started with fishermen. He started with shepherds. He started with tax collectors. And and he was mocked because of the people that he surrounded himself with. There was Peter who was impulsive, who took his sword out and chopped off Malcolm's ear. You know, and there was John who was, I think, the first metrosexual Christian. You know, he's kind of a sensitive, in touch with his feminine side. You know, John here shown leaning into Jesus. He described himself as the one whom Jesus loved, a poet. You know, his gospel is poetic. You know, so a really sensitive guy. There, there was Matthew who was given to materialism and took a job that would pay him well. There was Judas who was insecure, a thief who stole even before he betrayed Jesus, used to pilfer from the treasury. People that were ambitious, people that were uneducated, people that were the rejects of society, not the usual kind of disciples that a rabbi would choose. Jesus demonstrated the attitude that he would have us live in his own personal gathering of these people. And all of them went on to make a huge difference so that we sit here today as Christian believers, not because of Jesus, but because of those who followed Jesus, who led other people to know him, who led other people to know him, and who finally brought us to salvation uh, by our faith in him. And now the mission is passed. You know, you have that vital mission, a mission that only you can accomplish. 
I think he made us different because there are so many different people that, that need to know him. You have relationships that I could never have. And you think, well, you know, I'll invite you to dinner and I'll invite this unbeliever over so you can convert him. They won't listen to me. I don't have a relationship with them. You have the relationship. When you show Christ to them by your behavior, and even in the dialogue, in the conversation, I encourage more questions than answers, you know, as you get to know them, and then let them ask you questions, and then you can speak from your point of faith rather than lecture or preach to them, which never works. You have all those relationships. You are business people. Uh, you are fathers, and, and, and you are husbands, and you are wives, and you are mothers, and you live in different neighborhoods. You live at different socioeconomic levels. Why? Because all of those people need an ambassador, and that's what he's called us. God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. You're not an ambassador for the world. You're Christ ambassadors. You are to represent him as though God is making his appeal to these people through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, and then become God's reconciler. Again, you think about this, uh, this teacher and, and the difference that he is making. The Bible says that we are to be, uh, consider how we might stimulate one another to love and good deeds. This is how he figured out how to do that. It's not my way, but it's his way. And man, he is having an impact in that school, in the lives of those students. You know, God has urged you to consider, think about how you can do it. What opportunities present themselves to you that don't present themselves to me or to Barry White, this teacher? Because all of us have entree into relationships that matter, and they can matter in the matter of faith. Amen.